Hello, my name is Jim Rowe, the host of the Cajun Zydeco Music Party Show on your community radio station, KNON 89.3 FM in Dallas, Texas, the voice of the people. I am very pleased to be in the studio today with Dennis Cavalier of the Dennis Cavalier Band, who originally is from New Orleans and has called Dallas his home for over 50 years. Welcome to KNON, Dennis, and it's a pleasure to have you here for this podcast. Well, thank you, Jim. I'm glad to be here. That's awesome. Please tell us about your early interests and background in music. Well, okay. It probably started when I was little, very little. My grandma played like a ragtime stride piano in the house for us kids, you know. And when she, when she got off the piano, I would get on it and try to play on it and, you know, make little noises and things. And I guess that's how it kind of started. And I just got interested in the sound of music from a very young age, copying radio. and Anyway, did that kind of thing. Played, played that tonette. Remember the little tonette, the little black oh, yeah. flute? Played it in school. <laughs> <laughs> I dug it. It was my first horn. And I went, I played alto saxophone in, in junior high school, bass clarinet. So I got the treble clef and bass clef kind of happening. Of course, I forgot how to read music. I stopped playing after that. But in New Orleans, you know, you, there's rhythm everywhere. Oh, yeah. And you wake yeah. up in the morning and people, you're hearing drums and things. As little kids, we'd go find uh, different size boxes, you know, cardboard boxes, and get us some sticks. There you go. And beat on them boxes, man, all day long, trying to, trying to copy that funky Mardi Gras thing, you know. Oh, yeah. In the Ninth Ward, that's where I grew up. So there was a lot of bats domino lived about a mile away from me when I grew up and all those old funky Ernie Cato cats. So that, you know, all that was happening. And then I think the 50s, I mean, New Orleans music was it. It was hitting the national stage. So anyway, growing up, I heard all that. Just got inspired. Well, you mentioned Fats Domino, of course, Ernie Cato, uh, and you've mentioned some of your influence, but... Uh, what really inspired you to carry it forward uh, in terms of wanting to become a musician? I don't know. I guess I got lucky, <laughs> really. Yeah? You know, I just I played every, tried to play a lot. But my, I think my dad bought me my first piano. To tell you, this is how it started. Everybody at that time, when I became of age, in the 60s, really, they were playing guitars and drums. Everybody played a guitar or a drum. Nobody wanted to play keyboard. I said I'd do it. There you go. <laughs> so I got stuck playing keyboard. <laughs> but you know that when you play keyboard, you know you're getting you're getting the whole thing. You know you're not stuck to one. You know you're like the band. So your left hand's got to go and your right hand's got to go and make make music. So it was good that I learned how to play piano. Yeah. Well, that was one of my questions. I was what what in. What was your influence that led you to play the piano and also the accordion? Well, the accordion came on years later. See, when I was a little boy in New Orleans, we didn't listen to Cajun music. That was like country music to us. But ever since Paul Proudhon, Chef Paul Proudhon, blackened some redfish, and everybody was a Cajun. And so I got, in, I got into that music, too. I just started listening to it and digging it. And Clifton Chenier, you know, came out with his accordion, Zydeco accordion, which was a keyboard accordion, wasn't a button accordion, and I played keys, so it was a kind of natural thing to go to. Plus, after I got up here, that's when I started playing accordion, really, and oh, I'd been in Dallas for 10 or so years before I went and bought my first accordion. Well, when you were in New Orleans, um, when and where did you get started playing, uh, whether it was it like just kind of an assembly of what we call a garage band or just friends that were getting together and yeah friends in the neighborhood really like probably junior high school is when we started having bands when i was old enough to go and play with, with other guys you know but i really some of my first bands i didn't play piano at all i just sang i was the upfront singer guy hey you know? and so they they had all the musicians down you know but anyway, I, so right then I started playing piano. But I only played with three fingers. Well, I didn't learn how to read music. My father sent me. He said, look, if you're going to play piano, you're going to go learn how to play piano. So he said, I went to a couple of lessons. But I was already gigging. 
So to me, it was like, why am I doing that? Why am I playing Mary Head Little Lamb? I just got finished playing something funky, you know, last night. So I, I stopped. I never was good at school and studying anyway. But I, I was playing with a band, and I was playing with Three Fingers. And it was my first gig, a lot, uh, you know, paid gig with these guys at my neighborhood. And we played on Bank Street in New Orleans in a little, a little bar. I don't even know if we got paid. But we, anyway, we were there. And the song Fever, you know the song Fever? Mm-hmm. You give me yeah. fever. Yeah. That was popular back then. Yeah, yes. And so I, I knew how to play and sing that. So all night long, this lady kept coming up to me wanting me to play Fever over and over. But I wasn't mad because every time she asked me, she'd put a $5 bill in my top pocket. Nothing like incentive. And so then I was going, wow, I can make money doing this. (laughs) It's fun and I can make money. That was probably my first gig. And then then I started, I played with some other bands too. And the first professional band that I was in was called Flavor. And we were like an Almond Brothers type, played that kind of music. Kind of Southern rock, I think we classify yeah. that, but of yeah, course the Almond Brothers are much deeper than that, but I sure. think the broad category is Southern rock, but mm-hmm. awesome. And we, we, were kind of, we copied them kind of and played, and we were, we were on the verge of uh, doing things, you know, had Capricorn record kind of looking at us, you know, and we opened up for acts like Ted Nugent, man. I, that was my like my first gig, real wow. professional job. Was it Ted Nugent or was it the Amboy Dukes? Well, I can't answer that. <laughs> okay. It's been too long well, ago. <laughs> yeah. It might have been Ted Nugent and the Amboy, Amboy Dukes. And John Nitzinger. Yeah. He's from Dallas. Way back in the early 70s, we opened for him for different shows he did. And then later on, when I moved to Dallas, I ran into him, and we became friends and actually wrote a couple of songs together. I don't know what happened to John. I've been out of touch with him. So, well, that kind of leads me to my question, what your motivation was for moving to Dallas, and uh, uh, and about what year was that? Yeah, I do. It was when, when disco hit. You know, disco was, so we played disco. We was going to work, so we played disco. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of disco places show places up here, you know, where yeah. you did a show and you played dance, then you played a dance set, then you did some kind of show, whatever you could come up with. And we came to Dallas and uh, we played off, at the first night we played, the first show we played, the owner of the club, I remember, was out there by Love Field. He came up and said, look, don't do your shows, just play music. Oh, and by the way, we're cutting your contracts in half. <laughs> and so I was stuck here, not stuck, but to retro back a little ways, 71, early 70s when I was with Flavor, the band I talked about, we used to come to Dallas all the time and play Mother Blues on Rawlins oh, yeah. Street. And Very familiar was, with Mother Blues, but remember? I was underage, so I was not able to <laughs> uh, go inside. Well, you're still underage. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. There was a jazz room, and there was a country room in Mother, Old Mother Blues, if you remember that. Yeah. Two bands playing at this, on the same night. And so Freddie King, you know, comes in to see us, you know. He was digging oh, on us, you know, because he was playing right down the street at Gertie's. Gertie's, that I remember place, Gertie's. Remember anyway, I met a fella when we were coming up here, and the whole point of that story is, I had friends in Dallas when the show band got canceled, you know, from coming here earlier and playing Mother Blues, basically. And so uh, it just so happened that uh, we got fired from that disco gig, and a friend of mine was doing sound for a band called Summerfield, which was pretty popular back then. We played at Fanny Ann's and all all kind of places. It was a great band, man. Aggressive country band. And he said, Why don't you? They're looking for a keyboard player. Why don't you come audition? I didn't have nothing to do. I didn't even have a band anymore. It was over. You know, so. I, anyway, I went and auditioned. I told all my friends in New Orleans and my girlfriends and all everybody. I, well, my mother. And, anyway, I told them, hey, I'll be back in about three months. I'm just going to go check Dallas out for a while. And that was like 40 something years ago. 
that you mentioned that that was probably around the early 70s uh, that you Mother were Blues. a member of, yeah well Mother Blues Gertie's yeah. all those places that I could not get into because you had to be 21 to enter those uh, yeah, venues right, back, back then, then. and uh-huh. you know I don't know it's 16 17 year old kid about all we could do is maybe go sit in the parking lot and hopefully we could hear something through the walls but <laughs> but anyway but uh, but we were very aware of of, of all those early venues and uh, you know how important they were to the Dallas music scene. Um, so I had friends in Dallas and so I auditioned for that Summerfield band and I came and moved to Dallas and that was in 75. Well I was going to say uh, there was the progressive country movement uh, from what I recall started getting uh, I wouldn't say off the ground but started to get more popular I want to say around 73, 74, because uh, a lot of us that kind of rock and rollers and stuff, I guess think we were listening, ready for something different. Uh, and yeah. uh, progressive country became very popular. We had uh, a, a couple of radio stations in Dallas that that was the format at the time. Uh, those were pre-KNON days. We are still doing progressive country here uh, in uh, 2021. But... Uh, when you good band. We, yeah, good thing that we're keeping the keeping that alive. When you first moved up into the Dallas area, what were your early observations of the of the North Texas music community? You mentioned Freddie King and the course of progressive country. Freddie King's always been a huge icon in uh, the Dallas music scene. Of course, he took the blues worldwide. But when you came up here, was it like? an absence of something or an abundance of uh, something in the music uh, it realm? A, it was a culture shock. It was culture shock. <laughs> no, barbecue, not, not boudin, no, right? <laughs> right. Coming from New Orleans, yeah. It was, a, it was a, I can imagine. I had to learn kind of how to play over again. Because, you know, in New Orleans, we, we didn't listen to progressive country. We didn't listen to Cajun music. It was all soul, funk, you know, that kind of thing. Dr. John, you know. So anyway, I had to kind of learn a different style, I guess, but the guitar players helped me out. That's who really taught me about how to play, guitar players that I played in bands with. They would tell me, okay, you know, this chord is a, let's see, hit a D, hit a G, you know, that's a G7 chord, you know, they'd tell me. And that's how I learned my chords. And I learned a lot from a, a guy that I've, you know, was a bandmate with in Summerfield. He taught me a lot of things about chords and charts and reading charts because I wasn't used to reading any kind of charts. These were just rhythm charts that we could get through the song with, you know. Do you recall who that was? Yes, his name is Michael Budash, a guitar player. He lived here for a long time, very good player. Now he lives out in uh, Napa Valley, Napa, the city of Napa. Okay. California, Northern California. Yeah, but he's got a band called the Illegals, and they're like an Eagles copy band. So oh. he's, he's still doing the, he's back playing the progressive kind of country. Yeah. Now, Eagles really, not really, they kind of a cross between the progressive country and rock. But when they started, they were oh, yeah. kind of progressive. They kind of had feet in both both yeah. camps there. Yeah. But uh, well, you meant you've, you have mentioned some of the uh, um, bands and musicians and some of the venues uh but uh anything that stood out uh and and of course i'm kind of going to extend this uh this about music outlets and i'm going to throw in record stores uh music shops instrument stores uh stereo uh-huh. shops radio tv stations things like because all of that was kind of intertwined in the dallas music community i can remember record stores around town, yeah. stereo shops where you went and got all your gear to play your music. And so uh, those were things that were all very interesting back in my days. But was yeah. anything um, um, that stood out or things that stood out about? Well, there was just a big diversity of music here compared to New Orleans. And that, that stood out to me. And I, my first music store, I think, was Arnold and Morgan. Remember that? Oh, Arnold and Morgan on, uh, well, it, it moved on Garland it, Road? Yeah, well, they moved I think that was their there. second location. That yeah. was their second location. Right? Yeah. But I, I, I remember going out to that place and getting the little gear.
finger that I had. I didn't have any money, so somebody, you know, they, somebody had to give me a break. Arm, Larry Morgan did. Awesome. He didn't check my credit. Yeah. He just said, "Hey, you pay me this month, this week, and you can have that amp head." So he helped me out a whole lot get, getting going here because I was, I was really broke. Came to Dallas, you know. We didn't make much money, but we had fun and we learned how to play music. You know, somehow we st stayed together until that band broke up. That's when I kind of went off on my own with my own bands here. You know, they had a many, many names. Doesn't matter. It probably bands you never heard of, but it was just Dennis Cavalier band. I did have a special band called the Ninth Ward, named after my neighborhood, in New Orleans, and we played all up and down. Greenville Avenue, the Greenville Bar and Grill, and we did all the Mardi Gras shows, and it was just a funky kind of Dr. John kind of Neville Brothers kind of band, you know. You were probably one of the few that were playing that music, uh, yeah, in the yeah, Dallas so. Fort Worth area. There weren't many because uh, even today, to to uh, find the Cajun, the Zydeco, the New Orleans bands, and the Metroplex, they're out there. Actually, I think there's been a little bit of yeah. a, uh, a resurgence of brass bands because we have yeah. a few brass bands here in the Metroplex now and uh, that have really uh, taken off. So I, th I think the, the interest in the music is there. It's just the availability sometimes is, is, is you're stretched thin for that. Yeah, that's true. And well, when you got into uh, the North Texas music community, as I mentioned earlier, you were kind of drawn in uh, by this band Summerfield. Uh, uh, are there any other local bands that you played with or maybe founded while you're, you've been here in Dallas? And um, you mentioned some of the other venues played, uh, but I wanted to extend that to maybe any yeah, there special some, events or some, venues that you played at that were somewhat unique or, or very special experiences for well, you. The Denton, the Denton Art and Jazz Festival, that's special. I've only been playing there a couple of uh, years with the Gumbo Kings. Nolan's Gumbo Kings. They're from around here. Maybe you heard heard of them. They're all guys who spent time in New Orleans, and even you know, some of them even played with Dr. John and Wings. Steve Howard's and Mike Sizer lead that band today. And I just got finished playing with them yesterday at the Denton Art and Jazz Festival. But when I first got around here, man, a, a band that really caught caught me was a band called Buster Brown. Buster Brown, yes. And they're famous. They were just playing my kind of stuff, man. And I got to be friends with them. There was a little group called Poor Cook and Neil. It was just a trio. They just played little venues that I was playing, like Fanny Ann's, Up Your Alley, up there on Greenville Avenue, what we called. I didn't graduate to lower Greenville Avenue until <laughs> later. But anyway, that was a Mark Pollock. Mark Pollock, Mark oh Pollock yeah. And the Midnighters. Yeah, Mark Pollock. Loved him, man. Cold Blue Steel. And that guy that sang with him, you remember, his name was Teddy. He was the lead singer in that band. Anyway, they were they were cool. And then, I know I was I was playing a kind of pop music for a while at a place called The Railhead. It was a restaurant um, up at Greenville in Park Lane. It's gone now. But the manager for Greenville Bar and Grill came in there one night. I want you to come down and play at Greenville Bar and Grill in the lower. And he said, but I don't want you to play. That was pretty cool for oh, me yeah. to me to get into. But the thing was is I knew all those New Orleans songs, but I didn't really know them. I knew them. You'd <laughs> I heard, them, heard them for years, but I never played them and learned them. So wow, I went back to New Orleans and researched all that Ernie Cado, Dr. John, Fats Domino, and I learned them all over again. They were already in me. I just had to detail them, get the word, right words. And that's what kind of, that manager, Rob Buckman, kind of got me uh, situated as a New Orleans musician here in Dallas. That's when great. I first got here, I wasn't playing New Orleans. I was playing whatever, I was getting hired to play. What you getting paid to play, yeah. Progressive country, uh, playing at a supper club, solo, you know, playing popular songs for tips, you know. But he kind of got me into my my bag yeah. that I really belonged in. Yes. And from there, I started 
getting jobs just because I, one, I was from New Orleans and I knew the music. So, and it's kind of got me, I've been here for 40 years you know, or more. Well, no better place to get, uh, get recharged Ooh, Texas, <laughs> than Texas New Orleans. Texas has been good to me though, man. Well, that's great. I, I really, this is really my home now. Any, any not-so-pleasant experiences uh, in your early days of uh, playing music here? And Well, I'm sure not getting paid would be an unpleasant experience, but anything that uh, you said, I'll never do that again, or if I do that again, I'm going to take precautions? Yeah. I made a mistake one night on Halloween night. I had, a, I had two gigs. I had a happy hour, and then I had a nighttime job at Don Carter's Bowling Alley. Up by uh, Love Field, was that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Or yeah. Walnut, no, over in the Walnut Hill area, I believe. Yeah, yeah okay. on the other side. And anyway, I got, I dressed up as a werewolf, <laughs> right? And I really did it. I mean, I glued hair in my face and everything, man, big teeth and all. But I got so drunk, <laughs> so I was so drunk, that I drove to my next gig and couldn't get up, couldn't get out of the truck. So I laid in the truck through my whole gig. So I didn't, I didn't show up for the gig. I was in the parking lot in my truck sleeping, sleeping at all. And then on my way home, I get sick, right? Goodness. So I'm on Greenville Avenue. I pull over on the side of the road on Greenville Avenue. And everybody that was passing along the street, a busy, busy street, saw a werewolf throwing up on the side of the roads. <laughs> Goodness. It was a funny sight. I wish somebody would have took a picture of it. <laughs> you never know. It One might surface someday. But no, um, I, I never had any no, yeah. bad things happen to me here. Good things happen well, to me. Well, that's great. I was playing at uh, Greenville Barn Grill one night, and some people came in. It was just a two-night, a week gig. Johnny Duncan had a Texas lot of number legend. one hits, man, country hits. They came in and wanted to hire me to go on the road with Johnny Duncan. So to me, that was a, where I was at that time. That was a big deal, man. So I did it. And I went on the road with him. I became friends with him. I started writing with him. And, and I had a this funny story was... I wrote a song that he recorded, okay? And everybody in Nashville was hanging around Nashville a lot because he was a country star. Gigantic one, but in Texas, yes. Oh, yeah. And, and everywhere else. Still, he had, still. He had a lot of, anyway. Star. So everybody in Nashville was saying, wow, you got a Johnny Duncan cut. And they, they told me, you're either going to make car money or you're going to make house money because all of Johnny Duncan songs, all of them go into the top ten. If they don't go, a lot of them go to number one in Billboard. You know. So I was so excited, you know. So we were on the road. We are in DeMarn, Iowa. I was touring with him also as his keyboard player, and I wrote his latest song. We were playing on the radio. What was the name of that tune? It was called All Night Long. And it wasn't Lionel Richie's all night long. Okay. And it wasn't Joe Walsh's all night long. It was my all Dennis night Cavalier's long. all night long. <laughs> Every time I tell somebody, I think, oh, yeah, all night long, all night long. No, no, oh, no, it wasn't that one. So the DJ comes backstage, big auditorium, and says to me, you wrote that, you know, Johnny Duncan's latest all night long? I said, yeah, yeah. He said, man, I'd love to move it up to the top of my list, but... CBS isn't stocking the stores for some reason, so I can't. The people can't go buy it, the record. So I went to the manager. Now, he had been on CBS for 13 years and more than 13 albums. And I went to the manager, the road manager and said, man, what's up? My song's number 40 in Billboard, but the DJ, nobody can buy it. Oh, well, Dennis, you know what? CBS dropped John. They dropped him on my song. Oh, <laughs> my song that was going to number one or number 10 or whatever. But what a beautiful guy he was. Uh, he's passed away now. Great. Heard tonight. 
He was such a pleasure to work for. My big experience here, if I, if I did anything big, that was it. You've toured with some other uh, uh, artists. Ed. Yeah. I mentioned some of those that you had some, your experiences with some of the other artists that you yeah. toured or performed with or did. maybe did some collaborations with. Well, I, well, I played mostly piano, played for, you know, um, New Orleans people, Walter Washington. Walter Wolfman, Walter Wolfman Washington. I was in his first band. Wow. It was called Ebony Leaf. And I think they, I think him and his brothers, you know, came over to practice at my place because I had a place. This was in New Orleans? Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, so I, I played with, he taught me so much about music. Also, Walter Wolfman Washington. And we played around town. You know, we didn't play forever. And I didn't, we used to back up Johnny Adams ever heard of him a great singer Johnny Adams yeah from New Orleans you know and I later on in life I tour, I went on a tour tour through Canada with Johnny Adams and uh, other New Orleans people uh, I sat in for Art Neville one time yeah cuz uh pretty big shoes to fill me and Walter's band Walter Washington which I was in his band at that time we were opening for the meters but Art was hung up somewhere in the city, couldn't get there in time. So they asked me if I'd play a couple of songs until he got there. Up a funk, huh? Hey, man, I got up and played with the meters, man, for a couple of songs. I was pretty, all, uh, you know, I played arts organ, I wasn't familiar with. But I got through it. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big deal for me. Etta James, uh, she was coming through. She was playing at Billy Bob's one night. Here in Fort Worth. Yeah. I don't think there's another Billy Bob's no. location. I wasn't in her band, and yeah. I didn't know her. Somebody told her that, yeah, there's a, her piano player didn't show up or something. They needed one. Yeah. But that show that night, somebody told them there's a New Orleans piano player around here. We'll, we'll get him to come play. And so I went and played with Eddie James at a concert. And who was playing guitar? Leo Nonchantelli. The meters guitar player. Right. That was a cool thing to have it to me. And then, then Doug Kershaw, I, I did a couple of weekends with him. His piano player was sick or something. Couldn't make it. And Delbert McClinton, I did the same thing with his band. I, we played at Tipitina's. This is a bash me story, but it's it's funny. So we play we play at Tipitina's with Delbert. I'm on his bus. We go play. It was like my fourth gig with him. I, was, I guess they were trying me out. And so uh, uh, we played there, and then uh, his manager came out and uh, said, well, we, he's going to go back to his other piano place. So, and I wasn't a big gambler. Maybe I shouldn't mention no, I, I'm not going to go there, okay, okay. Jim? <laughs> I'm talking too much now, I think. No, that's good. Well, hey, but Delbert's, it was fun. Delbert, yeah. Delbert's band was cooking, man. He's still, uh, he's... I, I know. I I'm so, sorry to hear that he retired. When, I don't know when that next show is. But, yeah, I had the pleasure of playing with him. And uh, who else did I play with? Well, I don't know. That's about the big, that's, a, that's the big boys. There. Hey, those, all those folks, I mean, their music is etched in our brains. Yeah, so. yeah. Yes, I, well, it was, I, was a, I was in the right place at the right time. I played with them. But it was fun, all I, I, my whole my whole life has been fun. I had a few times when I had to quit playing music. You know, I was a I was one of those uh, called service advisors. Oh, at a Ford dealership in Jackson, Mississippi. Goodness, twelve hours a day, you know, ripping people off. I, had to, <laughs> I felt so bad. You know, one time this little old lady came in. She said, "Well, I don't have no way to get home. My, you know, hit my. I got to leave my car here. Y'all got to fix it." I said, "Well, I said I'll, I'll drive you." So I service advised, I drove her home. When I got back, the service manager said, why'd you do that? He was all over me. Why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? I said, well, I was, I was trying to help the lady, you know. Well, he couldn't make, he, somehow he didn't make enough money off of it. So they fired me, and I was, it was the happiest day of my life. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's how careers begin. I, I have a story similar to yours uh, like that. Jackson. Not in Jackson, Mississippi, but in uh, Dallas, Texas. But, I lived there. Uh, I spent about uh, four years of my life in Jackson, Mississippi, too. And I, I played some really good music there. Man. Mississippi, man. They, they got some cool music. And I learned a lot about blues. That's great. Well, hey, 
what a be- no better place to uh, mm-hmm. learn that. Do you remember when you wrote your first tune? Yeah, sure. It was a long time time ago, man. Well, I don't remember the name of it, but I remember a friend of mine. Yeah, we went we were in high school. We were, we were writing songs, you know, uh, and trying to record them. We didn't try to do anything special. We were just playing. You know. But even as a little boy, you know, I'd be I'd write little ditties. They they tell me I don't remember. My brothers and all said, Yeah, you can walk up to one of them stupid little xylophone toy things. <laughs> he said, Man, you could make a tune in there, man. <laughs> so. I guess it was something, but I got serious too at it for a while, especially when I got that Johnny Duncan cut. Yeah. I even tried to move to Nashville, and I went up there for oh, three weeks or so. You know, but you know, they don't. You know, it ain't easy getting in. Nashville's a tough town, from what I've heard. You you might have friends there, but you're actually their competition. Yeah. So what are they going to do? Hey. Cut my friend's song, not mine. Cut, cut Dennis's song. They give you hints and stuff, and everybody writes it. There. The girl, the girl waiting on you, she's a writer. The guy pumping gas, he's a writer. <laughs> and so it's a you gotta you gotta go up there and spend your time. And with my opinion, you know, some people maybe don't have to do that if you got a killer song. You know, that everybody drops dead and wants to publish it. But most songwriters, you know, and I got friends up there that have, have done real good. And anyway, it's a it's a tough game, and I guess I didn't want to sweat it out. I just I said, you know, I'm gonna go back to Texas. I think uh, I think a lot of songwriters and musicians have found that it's 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 a it's a tough town. It's a good town, yeah, but it's yeah, a tough yeah, town yeah, to yeah. Uh, yeah. to. Get your break uh, or, or get noticed, and uh, yeah. you come down to Texas. I think we're pretty open to uh, to all kinds of stuff because, as you well know, the Dallas Fort Worth area, we've got a, a little bit of everything here very, when it very, comes to music. Very, so very it's not just a blues town, it's not just nope. a country town or a jazz town. We've just got a little bit of it all. So, That's right, man. Uh, referring back to that, that song that you wrote for Johnny Duncan, All Night Long, his. Any other artist, anybody else, picked that song up or, uh, and, uh, no. and, and done it? No, not really. It's, it's. I guess it's a dead song because Lionel Richie's all night long. That's you know, it's yeah. like writing a. It's like writing a song called Mr. Bojangles. You know, another one of those. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. You might have to make it all night longer. <laughs> yeah. Have to change the title yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Well, I know you've been working on a project, or you've got a project that's out there. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. But, uh, and well, what are your current plans as far as performing and writing and recording more music? Um, well, I'm always recording. And I'm always writing all the time. Not every day, but I don't have to anymore every day. I'm kind of retired, I guess you could since the pandemic, I haven't. That yesterday was the first gig I played in a year and a half, so I'm not getting out there much, and I'm really not interested in uh, playing in steakhouses. Yeah, you know, I played. I played in the steakhouse for 15 years, three forks restaurant. Oh yeah, nice restaurant. Very nice. Good gig. Best good house, food. <laughs> best house gig I ever had. Good money. Good people. Good customers pandemic took that away so but it's really a blessing because now i'm you know doing other things with my with my music so some young people ask me you know you either go after the money or you go after your music and i tell them if you really think you've got something going stick to your music don't go commercial that's stick to it and you'll know you'll know in a few years if it's going to Take hold, you know. but that's what I would do if I had to do it over again. Yeah. But, nobody you know, could, nobody does it but you. I mean, that's right, and so it's your it's thing. Yours. And there's a more of a sense of satisfaction, I guess. You know, if you can go make money with your music. Yeah. 
But, you know, I know the music business and I know people. People are not musicians. All of them. Most of the people that listen to your station are more tuned into music than the people out there in, in, in fancy restaurants. That's the truth. We have a, we like to say, and we know this, that we have a very educated yeah. audience here at KNON because right. most of them can tell you a little bit more about what you're playing than you think yeah. you know. Right. So, yes, we have a very educated and sophisticated listening yeah, audience, even though we're just regular people. Expand their mind, you know, listen to something different. Try to dig something different. I know a lot of times I'm places, oh, turn that off. They want to hear something else. But, you know, I mean, that's how people are. They're not like a plumber, you know, when it comes to your house. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of throwaway You don't want to ask him, hi, how he's going to fix the leak. You just want him to fix the leak. Right. So don't tell me how you fix the leak. <laughs> just fix the leak. Right. And music is a lot like that. Yeah. They don't understand. You know, you can't sit down and tell people that are not really tuned into music what you're doing and how you're doing it. It's hard to do that. All comes from inside. It's it's spiritual. Yeah. Well, I want you to talk about your most recent uh, release of your music in your Gentilly Road project. And uh, tell us about the tunes. I, I know some of these tunes you, you wrote many years ago uh, yeah. but you've put uh -huh. this all together and uh, some of the musicians that uh, collaborated with you on these recordings okay and you can go at length <clears throat> well i yeah this gentilly road thing that, that's uh, like my new album my new online band i guess uh if you remember i told you about flavor that was my first really professional band well, the guitar player in that band, Vic Saladino, you know, we split up years ago. I haven't talked to him in that long. And then just recently, we happened to have a conversation and decided to make this album, just Gentilly Road. So he, he put a lot of it together. He programmed a lot of the stuff. He plays all the guitars. He's do, doing a lot of singing, plays bass on it. And, I, you know, I wrote some of it most of it really and he wrote some songs on it and it's just something we were trying to do to uh <clears throat> just get some music out without starting a band yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and that's cool that you can do that today yeah but anyway a lot of the songs were or they're all meant to be this jim silly road thing is that's where we met 50 years ago on a road in New Orleans called Old Gentilly Road. <coughs> I lived there and Vic was practicing there in another house right around the corner from my house. So I could hear them practicing. The flavor band, I wasn't in it yet. But it's ironic that we were that close and didn't know it at that time. That's hard to explain. But anyway, it's an old, it's an old road now. I heard they redid it, but the last the last time I saw it, it was a, a, a Goodyear graveyard, you know, tires all over the road. You couldn't even drive down the street. Wow. That's old Gentilly Road. <coughs> Gentilly is a neighborhood in New Orleans. And there is a Gentilly Boulevard. But I don't think there's a Gentilly Road. There's an old Gentilly Road. You don't need to know that because I'm rambling now. Gentilly Road is the name of the, the album. And it's also the name of a song on the album, kind of inspired by that road. And the rest of it's just, uh, you know, kind of funky. Uh, New Orleans, I got some, a couple of ballads on it too. They're all, <coughs> excuse me, New Orleans oriented, you know, Louisiana oriented songs that I thought I'd revisit of songs that I've had in my head for a long time. And so now we're, you know, we got it out, gentillyroad.com. And we're also, you know, everywhere else, the Spotify's and iTunes and Bandcamp and all that. So you can find it, that pretty easy, gentillyroad.com. And I have my own .com, dentiscavalier.com. Okay. Where you can find me 
on my music. I had a CD out of a long time ago, Blue Orleans. That's kind of my solo piano vocal thing. But that you know, that's been ten years, twenty years ago. So I have two thousand. Yeah, uh -huh, something like that. So I've been out of the kind of creative producing of it. I've been creating. I was only playing my music at the steakhouse on my piano. It was just work. <clears throat> well, yeah, the steakhouse was just work. Just but work. I, I got to play some original music. Yeah, well, there, that's so that, was, that was cool. Slip one in every once in a while. Maybe they won't notice uh -huh. it. It's new to me. But I got lucky, and they did notice some of them. So, uh, yeah, so right now that's really all I'm doing. I'm really excited about uh, the Nolan's Gumbo Pain. Well, that's great. That's, that's a, a pretty cool deal, man. The band that you're playing with. Yeah, man, three three horns, three oh, yeah. excellent players, all excellent players in the band. And they just kind of let me join in, really. That's cool. <laughs> but they've learned all... Mike Sizer, great horn player. He's written charts for my music, horn parts for it. And so uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Well, that's good. Looking back at this, your Gentilly Road project, um, you've got some interesting song titles here. Uh, any, uh, well... Why no millionaire? <laughs> That's pretty interesting. Making groceries, that you've explained. Uh, any of these, uh, well, they're all your your uh, compositions, and I know you probably have a fondness for all of them. Any, any of them uh, special or any of them that stand out that, oh, I just did such a great job writing that. Too. <laughs> and I'm not going to say that your, your music is, none of them oh, are, yeah, are, are inferior to I the other. I love me. <laughs> I love me. Nah. <laughs> All of them, yeah, like you said, you know, every song you write, your little baby, you know, you carry it around with you and make different things. I like I like Gentilly Road. I like listening to that. And uh, I like the train song. The train song is very cool, man. <laughs> It's got right. a lot of Vic Saladino's I, oh, guitar Vic. work on that, it. That's that, a very that, good tune. That's Vic's tune, really. Oh, yeah. I just I just put some uh, keyboards on it. It's really his tune. But it's, some lanyap on I, there? I love it, too, man. It's, yeah. it's smoking. Yeah. I, I listen to that a lot. Hurricane Party, Houston. She's on her way to Houston. I like that song. Yeah, I kind of like them all, you know. But um, let's see. Was a, yeah, why no millionaires? Like, I got that idea from the three fours. <laughs> I can, can imagine. It, you know. they, they like to drink wine. Then, yeah. And they're millionaires. Yes. <laughs> so I just, Dang. I was playing with that song for a long time, and I was saying, I wasn't calling it why no millionaire. I was calling it, I'm a wino. That's all I was saying. I'm a I know. I know. That was the first. All the other words were there. But I was thinking, man, I gotta make this song. You know, I gotta say more than that. <laughs> gotta make it special. Somehow. And I have a. Fr I had a friend that, the customer at Three Forks. He was the wino millionaire man. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I, I think he inspired me to write that song. But anyway, he definitely inspired me to put that millionaire on the back of it. So yeah, that's a cool song. That's kind of retro, kind of back in the day kind of tune. You know. Yeah, I like them all really. I can't. The other ones are gonna be jealous, you. Yeah. If I keep talking about one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to get your your uh, tunes miss. arguing with one another, yeah, but I, I know you have a that. wonderful <laughs> list of music. Uh, well, I, I'm gonna go back to it where you can tell us a little bit more about how people could. Uh, either get a hold or listen to some more of your music, but kind of want to get your thoughts on uh, the pre preservation of of, of uh, the old traditional music that you grew up with, I grew up with, and uh, and how do you you know how do you inspire interest in uh, getting people to listen to New Orleans music uh, in Dallas Fort Worth? I mean, what's uh, 
How, do, you, uh, how do we hook these people? Yeah, I hear you. Well, they're not from here. Some of them are, and they like it. Most people, New Orleans, people like New Orleans music. Uh, just to, you know, they just got to hear it more. But, you know, today's music is, I think somebody, I, I read somebody saying it's not what you're playing, it's who you are. Yeah. Uh, Herbie Hancock. That's how music is today. It's not about the music, it's about the person, who you are. You're drawn to the person first and then... And maybe it's been like that for, you know, with other acts, you know. I mean, it's all part of it, of course. But, you know, he was talking about jazz, and it's kind of the same thing with preserving, you know, older music that was, that's really, you know, I guess you could have an opinion about it's better than today's music. It's really not. It's just another type of music. I can listen to today's music, too. I just, I I move to the older stuff because I guess I'm older. And I think older people move to it. So I guess, hey, the best way to preserve it is what you're doing. Just playing it on the radio. We're fortunate that we can win. We can keep. That's traditions right. alive with uh, uh, keeping this music because we're fortunate. Musicians are fortunate too for you, y'all doing that. Well, thank you. I mean, that, we love doing that. I mean, that's why we're all here. I was going to ask you: Are there any new s- singers, songwriters, uh, performers, music styles that have got your attention, and that's either good or bad? I'm not going to bad no. Bad mouth nobody's. Maybe you, I'll bad mouth, but I'm not gonna bad nobody else. Anything that you've heard that uh, just kind of Bruno Mars guy, man, he's kicking, man. Yep. And then just to go back a little bit, you know, Mark Cohn. I've been a Donald Fagan fan all my life. You know, still man, I love him. That ain't new, but he's always got something new. And uh, the newer music is, uh, you know. I can't even call one of them unless it's got a melody, you know, unless it's got a. But there's a lot of cool stuff I hear occasionally, you know, when I'm passing through somewhere. I don't tune in to the radio except your station. Thank you. I don't listen to pop radio, yeah. what's going on right now. I don't. It can be pretty boring. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I guess. But the kids, you know, they're getting something yeah. out of it because of who's doing it. Yeah. You know? But it's cool. You know, hey, they said that about my music. When I when we were coming up, we started playing rock music. Dang, that ain't Elvis. Yeah. That ain't uh, Sinatra. That ain't Ricky Nelson. Nelson, you know. Uh, the hippie thing came in, and man, just Hendrix and everybody, and Iron Butterfly, you know. They all said that about us. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I can remember yeah. Yeah. Uh, very much so. Yeah. My mom was very, uh, she loved classical music. And, of course, that's about as far from rock and roll. As, but, but my mom had incredible taste in music. But it was classic yeah. music more than, than rock and roll. I don't, I, I bet my mom was alive today. I, I probably not mention, she would not be able to mention one rock and roll band. And I, I know she's heard of the, she'd heard of the Beatles <laughs> but that's just the way she was. So, yeah. anyway, yeah. well, that's cool. I mean, that's I you. sometimes you get inspiration from, well, like the Bruno Marses and yeah, and and uh, even the the funky grooves I hear coming out with in the in the rap genre. You know? Yeah, <clears throat> okay. they borrowed it something from somebody. Almost everything's been hey, borrowed. Man. Or there's only twelve notes. That's right. That's How right. How many times can you hit them? You know? okay. The way you hit them faces you leave in them and yeah. all the great musicians would say it ain't what you play what you don't play it's the them, absence of of some hold. of it's better than the than the uh the volume sometimes and the holes that you're leaving music, the nuances that you let people feel you're not blasting the whole time see? you're letting these waves go by to keep somebody not only to keep their attention but to soothe them yeah. even if it's a loud funky song you know 
you gotta have some breakdowns and stuff, some nuances. My take on music. Well, hey, <laughs> that's the good thing about music. Everybody's got different tastes and different right. palettes, but we're always about every about sharing it back and forth. Well, uh, one more time, I'd like uh, for you to uh, let the folks know if they are interested in looking further into your music, uh, Dennis Cavalier, if you can uh, give us those websites, uh, if you need to spell them out, that's fine, uh, that we could, they could go and listen to your Gentilly Road uh, or the Bandcamp uh, recordings that you have. Uh, yeah, that's basically where I am. Uh, Gentilly Road has its own website, gentillyroad.com. That's me and Vic Saladino reproduced that. And by the way, you were asking me if there were any other local people on that record, and there is. Mike Kennedy is playing some fine drums on it. And we have uh, CC plays washboard. Robert Hunt, Bill Hunt. Bill Hunt, playing, yep. Playing washboard on a couple of my Zydeco songs. And then also a great, my great brother for, from a long time ago, Al Mulladu, a great fiddle player. And he's playing fiddle on my ballad when the hurricane came. And uh, that's about it. The rest is me and Vic programming a lot thing and playing different instruments. And you did this Gentilly Road largely long distance, correct? That's true. It was that's right. kind of assembled. Yeah, my partner's in Vegas. That's, that's awesome. We did this over the internet with, with the tools that you can do today. We cut different tracks and sent it back and forth and mixed it with our own opinion. You know, I say, no, it needs it needs this. So, okay, well, I'd either put it on the keyboard or he'd do some guitar work on it to fill the holes. We produced it yet, I think. We produced it. To, yeah, we didn't even see each other. I haven't even seen him. Still haven't seen him. <laughs> I haven't looked at him in face, but we we did that one. And, and Blue Orleans, my first record, uh, all I tell you, you got to do is really, there's another Blue Orleans album. But if you Google my name, actually, Dennis, just Google Dennis Cavalier, I seem to come up on, on a lot of pages. I do have a DennisCavalier.com, but nobody manages that website you can still get a hold of me there and you can still it's got links on it dennis.cavalier.com gentillyroad.com or if you went to bandcamp.com you'd find gentilly road and you'd also find another record that i'm getting ready to release called Co collection okay yeah and it's got a lot of it's got like my discography there's about 30 one, 31 tracks in that, I believe. Yeah, just it's just a bunch of songs from, from long ago that, I don't know, call it vanity. I just want to put them out. I want to get them out. You know, you run around with these songs inside of you, and you, if you can let them go and get them out, well, then you can move on That's and write some more. Make space for something <laughs> Anyway, well, it's been great being with you, Dennis, always. And, uh, and you know, KNON is, the door's always open for you to come down here and, and share uh, any of your music or your experiences with us. But I'd like to ask you, do you have any passing thoughts, pearls of wisdom, a good gumbo recipe you want to share with us before we wrap this up? I could never make gumbo like my, my mother. Man. Oh, uh, I've tried. So I, I can't even... <laughs> I, I cook a lot, though. I do cook, you know. Oh, I'll have to give you one piece of advice. <clears throat> if you want to make red beans and rice, go find you Camellia brand beans. Exactly. Camellia beans. There's nothing like Camellia beans. I don't know where. I think it's Mississippi they come out of or something. But they're not everywhere. Yes, they're, they're hard to find. But if you can find Camellia red kidney beans, you don't have to soak them beans. Familiar, yes. Yeah, and they come out nice and creamy and uh, just like New Orleans. The only thing I can't find in New Orleans, of New Orleans food up here is French bread. Yes, that's probably hard. There to ain't find. no French bread like New Orleans French bread. Yeah. 
And let me tell you this one quick little story. So a friend of mine who has a restaurant here, I'm not going to mention his name, he wanted to make French bread, right? He said, I'm going to make my own French bread. And he's from New Orleans. Instead, I got t- he said, I got tired of shipping it up here. The airport screws it all up, and by the time it gets here, it's all messed up. Or stale, because it goes stale pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Good New Orleans French bread. So we went down to New Orleans and went and looked up Old Man Bender, Bender's Bakery. Some of the best French, New Orleans French bread you could ever have. And one of, and my friend knew him, one of the recipes for French bread, how he makes French bread, and said, I'll give you the recipe, but it ain't gonna come out. It ain't gonna work, really. Why not? Because we're below sea level. And that was his opinion. That's why French, he said they can't make good French bread in Baton Rouge. Wow. He said, we're in this bowl. Something about the bowl and the humidity and the blah, blah, blah. Atmospheric <laughs> pressure, I'm sure, yeah. And so he must be right because I can't find any f- good French bread here. It's good dinner bread here. You can find good French bread dinner bread. You can't make a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> a good poor boy sandwich. You know, I usually save all my Louisiana taste buds for when I get to Louisiana. Because <laughs> not that I grew up there, but I've experienced the food down there and I've experienced the food in other places. And uh, if you can hold off, on the etouffee and the gumbo and the French bread, king cakes, all that stuff. Wait till you get to Louisiana and get it, and you will not be disappointed. So I know exactly what you mean by that. They can cook it up. Anyway. Well, Dennis, I really want to thank you for once again for taking time today to share your story uh, with our KNON listeners. A very interesting story indeed uh, from someone that grew up surrounded by the unique sounds of New Orleans music in the joie de vie of our neighbor to the east, the great state of Louisiana. My name is Jim Rowe, and I would like to invite you to tune in to our show, the Cajun Zydeco Music Party, on Monday nights from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can hear Dennis Cavalier and the best in Louisiana music this side of the Sabine River. So I want to thank you all for being a part of this podcast. Merci beaucoup. Au revoir. Au revoir. Keep it up. (laughs) 